following is a joint production of Burgundy Blog and Sports Channel 8. This is Brent. This is the fourth episode of the fourth season of Burgundy Blogcast, fiercely rational Redskins commentary. It's Wednesday night. Let's talk about the Redskins' early moves in free agency 2018. intention for this episode is to discuss the guys the Redskins have signed slash re-signed, the guys the Redskins have lost to free agency to other teams, a few dudes who signed elsewhere and whether or not it matters for the Redskins, and maybe a few dudes still out there who I think the Redskins should consider. First of all, it's pretty obvious that with the exception of Paul Richardson, Redskins have been fairly quiet since the legal tampering period started and since true free agency began earlier this afternoon. I do think along those lines that, first of all, we have to consider that the Paul Richardson deal is actually a pretty big one and an important one, and that also a month ago the Redskins agreed to and uh, announced, sort of, the biggest and most important trade of the offseason so far. So it's not exactly like they're sitting out. I also think, and we'll obviously explain here, that the Redskins have yet to make an unforgivable sin of omission or commission, even though it may kind of feel at this moment that they are getting outpaced by other teams. Okay, so starting with some guys the Redskins have added or kept, first of all, going back all the way to the first of the year, Quentin Dunbar was, of course, signed to a multi-year extension. We've touched on it briefly. I think that was a good move. I think Dunbar has a lot of upside. Uh, They didn't spend a ton on him. I think that was great to keep him in the fold especially with Kendall Fuller, of course, moving on as uh, part of the fallout of the Alex Smith trade. Then about a week ago, uh, it it flew way under the radar, but the Redskins re-signed DeShazer Everett, and he's not some headlining star safety, but he is a useful and developing and sort of up-and-coming defensive back, and even more importantly, a very good special teams player. Um, I don't think that move necessarily deserved a ton more publicity than it got, but it was a smart one. Uh, a couple of days ago, the Redskins re-signed kicker Dustin Hopkins, who also is young. He got a fairly non-trivial deal, I think a couple million a year, maybe maybe over two million a year. And I'm pretty sure I heard possibly from Rossini that he there was some competition for Dustin Hopkins' servants, uh, services, and it might have been Miami. Somebody tried to sign him, and so the Redskins decided to keep him. And, you know, it's a kicker. Uh, how work, worked up about it can you get? in either direction, but I think that was a good move. He's young. He's got a huge leg, which I feel is the most, frankly, the most important and and definitely the most reproducible part of any NFL kicker. Um, He can basically get you a a touchback pretty much whenever you want. 
And he's also good at directional kicking and, you know, kicking it inside the five-yard line if that's what they want to do. Um, in terms of field goal percentage, I think that the top-level or, or, or decent NFL place kickers are all so close together. They're within a few points of accuracy, and um, that tends not to be very reliably reproducible from one year to the next. And basically, I think he's good enough, so that's good. Clutchness is probably a real thing for kickers, and jury's still out on Dustin's clutchness. He had a pretty bad miss in London, but I don't think he's done anything so egregious or at least not made a pattern of it um, that we really need to worry about that. I think it's good that they re-signed Dustin Hopkins. Uh, the Redskins put a second-run tender on restricted free agent Ty Inseki. I think Inseki is 32, maybe even 33. He's played for like a third of the teams in the league, and he's played in several leagues. Uh, so it seems like he's like not really been around for a long time, but he's kind of old, and there's more tread on the tires than we think that there is based on just awareness of his NFL career. He's going to make, like I think, maybe $3 million this year, roughly. Um, he, he's a pretty highly compensated backup tackle. Um, fairly expensive for his role, even as swing tackle, backup right and left tackle. I guess this is a good move. I don't think it was a no-brainer. Um, he's he's a little expensive for what he's going to do, um, unless he really has to play in like over half the games, which you know he did play a lot last year um, due to injuries to uh, both Morgan Moses and Trent Williams. I think Inseki might be a touch overrated. I mean, Scott McLuhan made some comments about him that really made him seem a little better than he is. He he got beaten a few times when he came in cold, both at tackle and guard last year. I mean, he's good, but he's not like unbelievable. Um, if somebody signed him away uh, right now and owed the Redskins a second-round pick, I would consider that a gift. I do not think he's irreplaceable, and I think that would be an awesome um, compensation. But that's unlikely to happen, and they'll have him back, and it's good to have somebody that you can pretty much count on if one of your starters goes down. So, you know, I think that was a good move. Not great, but good. Redskins also re-signed Brian Quick to his second consecutive one-year deal today. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise because he didn't really contribute too much last year, but he didn't really do anything terribly wrong. And I, it seemed like coaches were fairly satisfied with what he did. So I'm not shocked. Um, I'm guessing that he's going to be, at least for the time being, you know, with the draft still in front of us and, and plenty of free agency still to go. He kind of looks like wide receiver number four for the Redskins. And that would be fine. He's, uh, you know, he's got good size. He's got some good measurables. That's why they were interested in him in the first place. He's got some experience. He made a, a couple of big plays last year. So I assume he'll be very cheap, and that's fine. It's not a bad guy to have on your roster, or at least available. And if uh, you know they draft a stud or some undrafted rookie really blows them away in training camp, they'll just cut Brian Quick, and that would be fine. I definitely, for clarification, do not think that signing Brian Quick means that they wouldn't consider drafting a receiver you know, in the first couple of days or possibly even adding another uh, wide receiver here in the next week or so who has a little bit of name recognition. And I think that's a comprehensive, albeit short list, of um, their own free agents, both restricted and unrestricted, who they have, uh, who the Redskins have recently decided to keep. I guess I'll move on then to really the only other guy they've added of, of significance, or maybe at all. Um, and he came from the outside. He was a true unrestricted free agent, and that's Paul Richardson. This is an important move for sure. They absolutely needed to add a starting receiver. I like Doxon. I think he can become a true um, number one wideout. And I think with the help of Alex Smith, you might start to see that this year. But it's perfectly reasonable to be 
somewhat unsure of that. It's hardly an inevitability. And furthermore, as much as I like Jamison Crowder, he really belongs in the slot. Uh, we didn't want him as as the boundary receiver opposite Doxon for more than maybe a few snaps a game. I like the idea of being able to keep Jamison Crowder inside. That's where he's most effective. So they needed somebody. And, and you know, I kind of really would have preferred, or in an ideal world, I would have liked for that to be someone who was kind of definitely a number one type receiver. I mean, Doxon does play the so-called X position primarily or even exclusively, and that is sort of what, you know, number one type receivers usually kind of play. So I get the concern about maybe redundancy there, but I'd say in the not impossible event that he does not take that step in his third year into dominance, I would have felt pretty good um, supporting your new quarterback with a guy with, you know, essentially all the tools, a guy who can run all the routes, maybe a guy with a pedigree. For me, that was Allen Robinson or Sammy Watkins. But, hey, I get it. They, they both got a ton of money and probably more than the Redskins were willing or able to spend. So, you know, if that's the reason that they didn't go either one of those routes, you know, so be it. Richardson is not my favorite free agent prospect ever, but I get why they did it. Um, we all kind of know that they lacked speed ever since Deshaun left. And he's got it. He's blazing fast, even even though he has had two ACL injuries in his life. I think both on the left knee. Uh, Paul Richardson is still wicked fast, and so he can pop the top. He'll run that nine route. He'll run comebacks. He'll run crossers, and, and he can do those things. He's made big plays uh, with pretty good frequency on those kind of routes in Seattle. I am concerned about the two ACLs. I am concerned that even last year in his best year, he still only barely went over 700 yards receiving. So the production is really not there for this kind of contract. By the way, this deal is reportedly five years, $40 million, I think $20 million guaranteed. And, and, of course, I should emphasize for this one and any other numbers in this podcast that these are preliminary numbers still and will need to be verified officially. Uh, th- you know, This money is, is out of, uh, a little bit out of whack for his production. He also is not maybe not small. I mean, he's six feet, but he is slight of build. He's had additional significant injuries on top of the ACLs. I think one was a pretty bad hamstring. So the guy's had an injury history, and I get that you know some people have injuries, and then you know they figure out how to take care of themselves, and then they don't. But when you're small and skinny, and one of the questions about you as you enter the league is that you might be frail, and then you continue to have serious injuries, I mean, I think the injury concern is, is a non-trivial one for Paul Richardson in this, this deal with $20 million guaranteed. So there's his health, there's the expense, there's his relative lack of production, and there's the limitations in terms of his game. I mean, he's just not that big, strong, possession-type, chain-moving receiver that you'd kind of like to have. He had a fair number of drops. I don't have the exact number in front of me for last year, but um, he drops more than the average starting receiver. His catch rate, meaning the, the percentage of balls that um, were thrown to him that turned into receptions, uh, is below average. But he does make big plays, which the Redskins definitely need. Um, he can uh, draw the safety and open up some underneath stuff for Jordan Reed and Jameson Crowder. And I'll give you that he's made a number of absolutely savage highlight plays in his career. I mean, his pro highlights for just four injury-shortened seasons make up a pretty long YouTube clip. So in that respect, I think it'll be fun to watch. All in all, I'm okay with this signing. Maybe a little better than okay. Uh, but I'm not, you know, super en fuego on it. I think it's a six. At first, the money bothered me, um, but I concede that, you know, 
as some of these other deals started to come in, um, I realized that maybe my understanding of the wide receiver market was a little naive. I mean, everybody's getting paid. So maybe they paid him, you know, what it took. So I guess in summary, um, I'm not upset that they got Paul Richardson. I think we'll enjoy watching him if uh, he hopefully stays healthy. And I think he'll help open up the whole playbook for Jay Gruden. But I absolutely think that this is a signing that uh, includes some risk. It's not a slam dunk at all. It's got some bust potential. I'd say good, not great. Let me move on then to a bunch of guys that the Redskins decided uh, not to retain. Um, Four guys of significance, all of them drafted in 2014 um, in a class that Bruce Allen primarily designed. And uh, it panned out fairly well. Um, Trent Murphy in the second round, Spencer Long in the third, uh, Breland in the fourth, and Ryan Grant in the fifth. You know, they've all turned out to be viable pros and in uh, a couple cases, uh, impactful players. By the way, Morgan Moses was also taken in the third round of that draft. The Redskins decided to keep him and pay him a huge deal, and he's a really good player and a very nice starting right tackle. So that's that's a pretty good draft. That's five guys right there that have made really big impacts, or at least uh, very substantial contributions. However, four of them walked out the door today. Obviously, that's not ideal. I mean, you want to keep your draft picks. But I definitely feel that in today's market, it's tricky to keep your sort of mid-level, mid-tier free agents especially those guys coming off their rookie deals who are, you know, just now entering their primes in their mid-20s. Because when these guys become free, they draw the attention of other teams who, in many cases, have a lot more money to spend and who, in some cases, are just, frankly, desperate for guys at specific positions. So if those teams are rich and desperate, they're in excellent position to steal your player. And with the cap ever-increasing, mid-level guys sort of good backup slash fringe starting type guys are getting paid to become starters by teams who desperately need one. And I think that's probably what is happening here, at least with Murphy, Long, and Grant. I mean, I think the Redskins viewed all of those guys as like good guys to have on the team, but, you know, fringe starters. Breland, for his part, I think is the most legitimate starter in his own right. But interestingly, he's the one where I think um, I think money was not a a sufficient reason for him to have, have not come back. Um, I'll elaborate. Breland's a good player, and he definitely did not break the bank with this deal in Carolina, at least based on what's been reported. I think it's a three-year, $24 million deal with like 11 guaranteed. That that guarantee shocked me. thought he'd do much better than that. He's a better player than that. Uh, Carolina did well for that. For all of his inconsistencies, he has really good games where he locks down good receivers. Um you know, fans tend to poo-poo it, but uh, he's he's good in the run game. He, he, I mean, he's a willing and able tackler. I've I think he's contributed, you know, significantly to the Redskins in that regard. He's physical. He's athletic. He can return kicks. I like him, and I thought he'd make more. And I think that you know, I I, I would have been probably fine with the Redskins paying him what he got. But I think a couple things about that. Number one, you're already paying another guy at his position a ton of money. Number two, he is kind of mercurial in terms of his attitude and. Uh, frame of mind. I mean, I think he's highly competitive, which is great, but we all know he's had his ups and downs in terms of focus. Thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, I got a feeling that even if the Redskins had tried to match that exact deal, I am not at all sure he would have taken it. I think Rashad Breland wanted to get out from under Josh Norman's shadow. I think he's looking forward to the idea of going somewhere where he can be considered possibly the alpha among the cornerbacks. I have a feeling he's really looking forward to a new start. So somewhat like Kirk Cousins, this might have been the case where um, 
he just was not destined to stay unless the money was outrageous. And they definitely weren't going to make it outrageous. In fact, I think they probably were not inclined even to go quite as high as it did. I mean, again, I might have. I think that the, the Carolina got him for a good deal. But having signed Dunbar and with Moreau, you know, hopefully ready to, to step up and, and become a starter. And with some other decent options still available out there on the free agent market, for example, Dominique Rogers-Cromarty has, has already come and gone for his visit. And I think the Redskins probably look at him as a slightly older, but probably cheaper and maybe equally capable um, corner who can play both inside and outside. So all those things together, I mean, I get why Breland is no longer a Redskin. But of the four guys who were signed away here in the last 24 hours or so, he might be the one where I question the Redskins the most for, uh, for not ponying up. Trent Murphy is interesting. Of course, two years ago, he had a great year, nine or ten sacks, sort of broke out. This, of course, a guy who was incredibly productive in college and a good prospect for that reason. Also big enough and strong enough, but not super athletic or fast. Was quiet his first couple years, broke out. Then he got the suspension for PEDs, and then he tore his ACL and missed the whole year. I thought that the Redskins would try hard to bring him back, and I think they did, actually. He put out this uh, montage of his own highlights on Twitter a couple of days ago, which I incorrectly interpreted as him saying that he was coming back or, or likely to come back. I then reached out to a family member of his who I happened to be in contact with by Twitter and was given the impression that uh, they were hoping as a family that he would be back, and so I thought that he probably would. But then I think what happened is that uh, the Bills, who are in desperate need of pass rush, got kind of desperate. They're one of those teams, like I was just talking about. And they threw... They th- through borderline starter money at him, and he was just definitely not going to be a starter here under any circumstances, barring injury to somebody else. And so I'm okay with the Redskins letting Trent Murphy walk for the contract that he got. But it's kind of a bummer that uh, that they won't be able to keep him because he's he's got you know pretty good future. And it's uh, too bad. No, it didn't really work out. Spencer Long is a guy, really interesting. It was always hard to get, you know, over the last year or so, a handle on what the Redskins thought of him. Yeah, he played uh, He played some guard. He played mostly center until injuries and the emergence of Trace Rullier last year. And I guess it sort of felt like he was always good, not great. Uh, or, or maybe even, maybe good is a touch generous for him. I don't know. I, he never really stood out as a key part of the Redskins offensive line. And you got to think that Bill Callahan, whose eye for offensive line talent and whose who's ability to coach an offensive lineman is second to none, would have maybe stood on the table a little bit more for him or or been more vocal about keeping Spencer Long if, if he was a special player in any way I don't have or I guess I haven't seen the details of his deal with the Jets but I have a feeling that he got paid quite a lot by the Jets and yet again the Redskins basically just didn't feel like he was worth what he got so you know I don't know what their plan is for left guard it would have been convenient for them to get him back on a decent deal and plug him in right there but I think maybe they just don't think he's a stud guard so they're going to look elsewhere of course, they also already have an extremely expensive and, of course, very, very good left tackle. They've got an expensive and good right tackle. They're about to have an extremely ex- uh, expensive right guard within the next year or so. I think the Redskins probably don't feel like they can commit a ton of resources to center and left guard right now. So that's your explanation on him. Lastly, Ryan Grant is <laughs> a guy who I made fun of uh, regularly in the early part of his career. And then last year, he really shut me up. I mean, you know, he didn't really blow anyone's socks off, but he kind of should have. I mean, he had two or three really legitimately awesome and flashy plays last year. He could go over the middle, um, make a sick catch, and take a huge hit. I mean, he did that a couple times. 
He had some big plays. He had at least one long touchdown. He's steady Eddie, and uh, Gruden has called him exactly that, and Gruden loved him, we all know. Um, Scott McLuhan referenced him as Ryan Gruden jokingly one time. I'm sure that Jay Gruden would have liked to have him on the team in 2018, but the Ravens paid him an insane amount of money for a guy who was still going to be, at best, the fourth receiver here. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, it's too bad that, uh, that this, this homegrown guy, this super hard worker, um, quiet, ultimate blue-collar type guy who you like to have, you'd like to have in that mix in your, in your locker room culture, it's a bummer that he's gone. But, I mean, come on, what are you going to do? The Ravens, you know, Ozzie Newsome, like, had a mini stroke and like drastically overpaid the guy, so that's that. I'd say, yeah, probably Brian Quick can basically do what he did, and Quick's probably going to be on the vet minimum. So I guess there you go. I'm like 20 minutes into this thing. I've pretty much covered all the moves and non-moves for guys that they got, guys that they kept, or guys that they let walk. I guess I touched on DRC. Um, you know, I'd be okay with the Redskins signing him if, if it was modest money. He's like 31. He was a first-round draft pick quite a while ago. Outstanding tools. Has had a good career. He's a, a ball-hawking, playmaking kind of guy, which would be sort of exciting. A little bit of a D'Angelo Hall in him in that regard. Um, we all know and remember, unfortunately, how badly he harassed uh, Kirk Cousins. But, you know, I don't really love the idea of a multi-year deal for a guy who's like almost 32 and who also beefed with coaches in his last year in New York. I think part of that was that he wanted to play outside, even though they had moved him to the slot. And, of course, with Fuller gone, what the Redskins really need is probably is a, is a slot kind of guy. So it would be nice to have a, a versatile player in, in, in the way Breland was who can play both. I think he still wants to play outside, though. And I don't really know what the plan would be for if they brought him in. I mean, I don't know if he'd be comp- competing with Dunbar, if he would be handed that job and Dunbar would go back to being a backup again. I think they'd probably have to sort of work through that um, in the summer. Anyway, for not too much money, I'd be fine with that. I'd rather it be a short deal. I guess I'd rather he play slot and Moreau emerge as, as a stud starting in outside corner. But I also don't really love the idea of stunting Holsey's development if they think he's a potential future starter at the uh, at the nickel slot. So anyway, I'm kind of mad on him, but I'd be okay with it. I guess the other big one then is Wilkerson. And, um, you know, he's a guy drafted by the Jets in the first round, had one year with enormous impact. And there's absolutely no doubting this guy's crazy physical skills and talent. But after he got his first enormous deal with the Jets, he kind of faxed it in. And the list of complaints about him by the Jets coaching staff is long. I was not, you know, really high on signing him at all, even though I do think the Redskins desperately need still another impact defensive lineman on the interior. I just didn't feel like he was the guy for this team. Um, he went to Green Bay. They did not give him a huge deal. I think it's $5 million that could get to eight with incentives. I think that tells you a little bit about what the league thinks of him, even though he had a number of visits. I'm totally fine with uh, Mo Wilkerson not being a Redskin. He's just not really the sort of veteran I want taking any snaps at all from John Allen or Matt Ioannidis. So who's left then, you might ask, that the Redskins should think about? Oh, I I skipped over Crowell. I thought the Redskins would go hard for Isaiah Crowell, um, a 25-year-old free agent running back from the Browns. He got $4 million a year from the Jets, and that's pretty decent money for a running back these days. I guess the Redskins just didn't think he was... um, that much of an upgrade over what they've got. I think he's probably, you know, he would have been indeed at least some upgrade over what they've got, but maybe not worth it. So I guess that's fine. Um, At the receiver position, 
I mentioned I would not be at all surprised to see them sign another receiver, even with Quick having signed today. Jordy Nelson's a little old and, and possibly still a little too expensive for me. Jordan Matthews is an interesting name. If if it drags on um, a few days or weeks and he doesn't have a deal, I mean, he's 25. He's a decent player. He's a sort of possession-type guy, although he does tend to I, – I think he, he prospers more in the slot. If they think he could play outside too, I mean, he'd be a really nice fourth-right receiver. I mean, I think he'll probably be able to do better than that. Cody Latimer was with the Broncos, drafted in the second round. He's only 25. He had kind of a bust of a career there, but he hasn't last couple of years had anything to um, anybody to throw it to him. He intrigues me a little. And then the guy that uh, became available today is Macklin. It feels like Jeremy Macklin is really old, but he's only 29. Now, he's had a lot of injuries. I'm not trying to act like he's the same guy that the Eagles drafted, the speedster that he was out of Missouri in 2009, but... He's got uh, already some built-in chemistry with the Redskins' new quarterback from their days together in Kansas City. Six feet, 200 pounds. He could potentially be that uh, possession-type guy that I'm not sure they've got right now. I mean, he's no Pierre Garçon um, at Pierre's peak, but I suspect the Redskins are at least talking about that. I think at this point, they may have to hope that they can find a good left guard in the draft. I guess it's possible that they're thinking Inseki could play guard. I don't think that that experiment has really been too successful when it's been tried yet. I guess they might add another vet here, you know, in the next couple of weeks um, as the prices drop, and that'd be fine. But I doubt they're going to get, you know, Josh Sitton or Muhort or even like a DJ Fluke or anybody else that we all know. I do wonder if Junior Gallette is back in the picture with Murphy having moved on. And I think they should absolutely think hard about that right now because I suspect he's, his sack numbers will come back up next year. He's going to get to the quarterback next year because he was sniffing it the second half of 2017. When it comes to defensive linemen, I said on Twitter and took some heat, although I also heard a lot of amens that um, <laughs> a little part of me wants to go after Sue. It's not realistic. They're not going to pay him what he wants. I heard today he said he was he just flat out said he was going to the highest bidder. That's kind of hilarious, but I respect the sincerity there. I still think he's a great player, though. He'd be extremely impactful. Uh, Sheldon Richardson is also going to be very expensive, and I think that um, you know he might be sort of the best the Redskins could hope for, but I, I doubt that they'll they'll reach that high. He's a legit true nose tackle and um, just an absolute factor against both the run and the pass. Um, I'm, I, I don't really believe that they're highly interested in him. But that would be sweet. I do still think that Dontari Poe or Benny Logan would be good signings to shore up the run and just clog up the middle in general. Um, Poe maybe is a little more capable of of, of uh, collapsing the pocket. Um, you know, I'd be pretty excited if they got Dontari Poe. And of course, Logan I think is a little more run focused, and supposedly the Redskins liked him last year, so maybe that's realistic. If they don't get any of the guys I just named. I mean, they're going to have to think super hard about taking uh, Vita Vea or Deron Payne in the middle of the first round there when the draft comes around because they just really definitely still need more there. They've got to figure out a way to stop getting gashed against the run or else, this, I mean, it will just torpedo another season. I mean, every fall, every August, I guess, I write and tweet and podcast about how the Redskins have failed to address their run defense, and every year it bears itself out. Got to do it. Got to sign one of those guys, one of those big-name guys, or draft a guy high again. 
even after taking John Allen in the teens last year. I do not know what's going on with Zach Brown. I want him back. I started wanting him back in September. I don't feel super confident that he's going to come back. It really seems like he's trying to get, you know, trying to get as much as he can and more power to him, but I'm not sure the Redskins right now are the team that's likely to set the market. Preston Brown from the Bills would be a nice consolation prize if um if they're so inclined. Kevin Minter is an interesting name out there. He's only 27. If they don't get one of those guys, then suddenly I think Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds become focal points in the draft because right now they do not have sufficient partner for Mason Foster. Lastly, this is my favorite currently unsigned free agent to talk about right now. And and no, I do not think it's very realistic that the Redskins might get him. But I hope the Redskins put every resource they've got into recruiting the Honey Badger, Tieran Matthew. Officially released by the Cardinals. The guy is still only 25 years old. I get that he's small, 5'9", 180s. I get that he's had some injuries, but he was really coming on strong in 2017. He was ferocious in college. He's been ferocious in the pl- in, in the pros. He's a, just a baller in every sense of the word. Extremely dynamic player and playmaker. Absolutely love that he can play safety. He can play either safety slot or slot corner. And I mean, he, that might be his best position. And it's a key need right now for the Redskins. I would back it up. Back that truck up for Tieran Matthew. Pay him whatever. Set the market. I mean, I know the Redskins are not swimming in cap space right now. But I'd go crazy for him. He's the number one guy left out there that, that would really excite me the most if the Redskins were to sign. Of course, he was uh, teammates with Swearinger in Arizona. They're close. This dude, Honey Badger, is all football. If you want to talk about changing the culture of your team and your defense and just kicking the, the, the attitude up a notch, which they've started to do by adding Norman and then Swearinger. I mean, that backfield, there's a couple of really good, strong leaders there, but you add a Tira Matthew in there, and that secondary starts looking kind of hellacious. That would just be sweet. And I'm going to leave you with that. We'll see where they go from here. Plenty more to come. It's still only the first official day of free agency. We'll do another one of these here pretty soon. See ya. See ya.